You're listening to the Unheld in News and Review and Pharisee Watch brought to you by We Hold These Truths. Each week we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Just as in Jesus' day, Pharisees still walk the earth. Among them today are the celebrity Christians who support wars in the Middle East to protect Israel. In our Pharisee Watch portion of the program, we feature stories about the unchristlike acts of these modern-day Pharisees. Our programs are led by Charles E. Carlson, the founder of We Hold These Truths, and author and editor of the Pharisee Watch, and unheralded news features on our website, whtt.org. Joining Chuck are four other founders of We Hold These Truths. Travis Steele is the owner of Steele Engineering. Mark Horton is the president of Ultra Clean Corporation. Chuck McCollum is the owner of Oakshade Development. And Tom Compton is a retired sales engineer and your announcer. Our reader is We Hold These Truths faithful volunteer and dramatist Leslie Ford. Welcome to our podcast. In today's podcast for Pharisee Watch, we have an interesting follow-up to our last week's program on what we call one of the new names, Angry Evangelicals, Angry Evangelicalism, also known as Christian Zionism. But we're seeing a little unraveling here, and this is a, a piece related to the Pew Poll Leslie, would you read this for us, please? Sure. Pew poll shows evangelical Christian Zionist rapture quest failing. Charles E. Carlson, July 11, 2011. A recent global survey of evangelical Protestant leaders taken by the Pew Forum for Religious and Public Life reveals cracks in the structure of evangelicalism best described as Judeo-Christianity, welcome news for all those who labor for world peace and financial stability. The report states that U.S. evangelical leaders are especially downbeat about the prospects for evangelical Christianity in their society. 82% say evangelicals are losing influence in the United States today, while only 17% think evangelicals are gaining influence. In the Global North, 66% say evangelical Christianity is having decreased influence on life, and 31% think it is increasing. More than half of U.S. leaders, 53%, see the current state of evangelical Christianity in America as worse than it was five years ago. And as U.S. leaders look a few years ahead, about half, 48%, expect the state of evangelical Christianity to worsen. The survey reveals that not all evangelicals are Christian Zionists, and the Pew Forum has learned how to tell the difference. The evangelical boat is leaking much worse in America and Europe that in Southern Hemisphere, where missionaries are far more optimistic about the future of evangelicalism in their countries. Perhaps this is because mission workers in the field are more attuned to and less preoccupied with social pursuits and monetary success. 
As I interpret this poll, significant weakening of evangelicalism can be traced to a preoccupation with Israel that is anything but scriptural. The poll asks two related and telling questions. Does God's covenant with the Jewish people continue today? And is the state of Israel the fulfillment of biblical prophecy? The latter is a question we believe should be asked of every Christian, including our own pastors, parents, and children. The poll results state that 73% of those polled think God's covenant with the Jewish people continues today, and only 22% say it does not. It should be noted here that this is a Judeo-Christian giveaway, since it is based on a false premise. The Pew Forum and all evangelicals need to understand that there never was an Old Testament covenant with the Jewish people. Most evangelicals, radical or moderate, fail to properly distinguish the ancient tribe of Israelites from the Jews of today, and in particular, the Jewish inhabitants of the modern secular Jewish state of Israel. This error is the result of scriptural distortion that is encouraged by the state of Israel and its lobbies in the USA and by the press. The Pew poll, to its credit, did ask the decisive litmus test question, is the state of Israel the fulfillment of biblical prophecy? Though the high number of yes replies was expected, the fact that 42% said no was a surprise and strongly suggests that at least 42% of evangelicals polled are not Christian Zionists as defined by we hold these truths. This is a hopeful sign that evangelicals are waking up, especially those outside of the U.S. Perhaps it reflects the growing revulsion for the brutal acts carried out by Israel against its neighbors. Those who say yes to either of the above two questions must throw out many of Jesus' own words. Jesus and his apostles state again and again that God's covenant with the Israelites, mistranslated as Jews beginning in the Middle Ages, was fulfilled in the coming of Christ. When asked to declare sympathy toward either Israelis or Palestinians, most evangelicals stated they were neutral. But among the minority who took sides, about three out of four sympathized with Israel, reflecting the feelings of the more radical Christian Zionists. Nevertheless, it's good news that they are no longer in the majority. The most obvious reason why radical evangelicalism must fail is that too many spokesmen deny the New Testament in their misguided effort to honor Israel. The notion that the Israelis are persecuted by the Philistines is unique to Judeo-Christians. Too many evangelicals have been sold the idea that war is necessary and is worth its cost in human life. Thank you for reading that, Leslie. That was a very good piece, Chuck. A nice follow-up. And 
it certainly is kind of a comfort a little bit to see this cracking, uh, particularly in our experience in front of quite a few evangelical churches that do decidedly lean to the (laughs) Christian Zionist side. Yes, uh, Tom, we're always going to have a hard line that is not going to change, even and especially among the clergy themselves. Uh, However, it should be noted, the reason poll results are interesting if the poll happens to ask the right questions, this asks the correct questions to actually learn something. And people do answer polls more honestly than they speak out privately because, of course, you're not quoted in a poll. You're anonymous. You can say what you really think, and no one is going to pin it on you. A Judeo-Christian leader can hardly say that they don't believe that Israel is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy or that God's covenant with the Jewish people is not still going on today because evangelicals expect everyone to believe these things. So when you get a poll and you have people coming out and saying no to these questions, it's very revealing, I think, of a breaking down from within that is very hard to detect. And as you have said, Tom, it's hard to detect this breaking down when you are challenging churches because most of the people you challenge simply refuse to talk to you. They don't want to expose their lack of knowledge, or their inability to support their own position, so they just don't say anything. Well, and of course, the fact that we're out in front of churches does challenge people that how dare you, and makes them very defensive, but the fact that we have been out there trying to challenge them, and like you say, most people don't want to be challenged on, on these issues. Well, it's all the more reason to do more of it, and hopefully we will be able to get a kind of a second generation of Project Straight Gate going this year. Good. Any other comments? Well, it's done by the pew polls. I was thinking we don't need any more pew warmers. (laughs) We want them squirming. (laughs) Well, that's a good point, Leslie. Uh, Yeah, this does not apply anything about churches. The Pew Foundation is a large financial trust, and uh, they study political and religious life together. And Pewform is the only people who does consistent stories on political and religious life, though people like George Barna are also very concerned poll takers. Mm-hmm. But uh, good point. The Pew, Pew Foundation has nothing to do with the pews in a church. The other side of the coin here all is the, the state of affairs in the evangelical churches with issues like divorce, and where the studies, the polls have said that divorce rates in evangelical churches are higher than the general population. So there's other systemic problems in addition to this concept of Christian Zionism, the worship of Israel, and this type of thing. So there are a lot of reasons why you see it's a very high percentage. I think 70% of the young people leave the church when they go to college, uh, you know, the evangelical churches, because... Really uh, a great point, and of course this poll was taken of 2,100 very mission-minded evangelicals who were meeting in Johannesburg, South Africa, or Cape Town, South Africa, uh, about four or five months ago, and the Pew Foundation went to the trouble of going to that, uh, to that, that evangelical meeting, And the breakdown among young people in the church, uh, as you point out, is a lot more rapid 
and of more concern to the evangelicals then is this this sort of separation coming from clergy themselves. Most of the people, more than half of the people in these polls were actually clergymen. Right, and so that might distort the, the they may be not representative of the thoughts of many of their flocks. But that's a good sign, though, to see that from the leaders, actually, to see this trend, and hopefully that would filter down to the flocks. Yep, I think that's right, Tom, and, it, and this is a sign that this is an, actually an indication of a, of, a, of a trend among leadership rather than among the youth, for instance, who, as you have said, are breaking away from not only evangelical churches but all kinds of churches for a number of reasons. And I would, I would chance to guess that hypocrisy is the biggest part of it on issues such as, such as abortion and gay rights and various issues of marriage and divorce and things like that. Alcohol, hypocrisy of all kinds. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's move into our unheralded news. We've got a couple of interesting items uh, here. This first one, it's from the right perspective, July 12th, Iceland to back Palestinian statehood at UN. Icelandic Foreign Minister Osur Skarfadinsson has announced his country will back a formal call for Palestinian statehood at the UN should a proposed motion be put before the international group this a visit to uh, to Gaza and the West Bank and it was very telling what happened traveled uh, this Skarfadinsson Osur I'll use his first name here traveled through Egypt to get to Gaza and later visited the West Bank via Jordan. The foreign minister skipped Israel altogether during his trip, but all was not well during his trip. Osar claims Israeli soldiers blocked his progress with large stones when they were going to a, a village. So the Israelis do everything in their power to discredit people like this that are coming for humanitarian reasons. For helping right, and they also filed a formal complaint with with the uh, government of Little Iceland and against their own prime minister who didn't see things quite the Israeli way. Now, Iceland is a small country. It's one that's had a lot of economic problems. It was hit very very hard by the crisis. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, concern and actually uprising in in Iceland over uh, the way the bankers uh, acted there. Well, and they they actually, as it well pointed out in the uh, movie Inside Job, they were uh, they actually had criminal proceedings against some of the crooks there, as opposed to what's yeah. happening here in the United States. Uh, they also uh, visited the ships. Uh, uh, other people visited the ships and the blockade and uh, made observations about that. And uh, one of the uh, legislators from. Iceland uh, told the president of Greece that he should get a little backbone like his uh, forefathers did. <laughs> the Iceland people seem to be pretty outspoken. Yes. On a visit there, maybe. Okay, our next item uh, is kind of interesting. It's more of the same, why are we not surprised? Travis, would you? Yes, there's a House GOP balks at defense cuts the, from Politico, July 11, 2011. After months of tough talk, House Republicans ran away from defense cuts last week. Even modest reductions at the expense 
of military bans or the Pentagon sponsorship of NASCAR races to promote recruitment were opposed by the majority G-makers and the $649.2 billion appropriations bills, including $118.6 billion for wars overseas, sailed through Friday with only a dozen Republicans in opposition. When conservative freshman Mike Mulvaney of South Carolina proposed to freeze core Pentagon spending at 2011 levels, he was run over by almost three quarters of his party, a bipartisan compromise which would have preserved an $8.5 billion increase fared no better, getting just 47 Republicans. The military budget is not on the table, said a frustrated Barney Frank, Democrat Massachusetts. The military is at the table, and it is eating everybody else's lunch. (laughs) Of course, the Democrats have gone along with the increase in military budgets all along. There are some opposition there to the military spending, but it's hypocrisy to the highest level here, uh, ignoring the need for cuts to the military. We just can't afford it. We're We're going broke here. And this is one of those items that they're paying for sponsorship for NASCAR to recruit people into the military. Oh, come on, give us a break here. This is yes. amazing. So, so uh, it's, a, it's the issue of the weakening economy and uh, Congress trying to think of every way they can to justify spending. And so if it's military spending, that's okay. They just want to keep the money flowing as best they can. Well, sure, because of our military-industrial complex, as described by Dwight Eisenhower on his farewell address in 1960 as he went out of office, we're keeping that alive here, and we have to pay for all these wars that we um, dispense on a regular basis throughout the world. We are a war-based economy. There's certainly no question about that. And we are paying for it, that's for sure. (laughs) And how. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.